You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Now, let me just say, I am um, very excited and fired up to be able to preach. Like the Bible says, I got some fire in my bones to be able to share uh, today. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into God's word. If you have your Bibles, we turn to Revelation chapter two. Oh yeah. Revelation chapter two. We ain't messing around tonight. I ain't playing games. Our church turned five and it's time to start digging into Revelation, okay? We are ready, church, to go to Revelation. (laughs) Um, Before I read the text tonight, I do wanna give you a little bit of context uh, for the book of Revelation and just very fast. Let me get a little Bible nerd on you and just make sure you understand what we're reading tonight. The book of Revelation is actually a letter In fact, it's the longest letter that's in the New Testament. And it's written by John, who is one of Jesus's 12 disciples. And John actually wrote five books of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then Revelation. Those are the five books that that disciple wrote. And he wrote this letter to the seven churches in Asia Minor, which is, if you're looking at a map today, that's modern day Turkey. And in this letter, Here's what's so cool, because John writes it, the Holy Spirit inspires it, but Jesus, he actually shows up on the scene. And so if you read through Revelation, a lot of Revelation, if you have one of the Bibles where the words of Jesus are in red, you'll notice that a lot of the book of Revelation is written in red. And it's because Jesus literally, physically showed up 65 years after the resurrection to John and he shares these seven different messages to these seven different churches. And you can find these seven messages to these seven churches in Revelation chapter two and Revelation chapter three. And when I was reading in my quiet time, about three weeks ago, I was finishing up the Bible plan that I do every single year, which means at the end of the year, guess what you're reading? You you are just trudging through Revelation. And uh, when I was reading through it three weeks ago, the Holy Spirit led me to what Jesus said to the first church in Revelation chapter two, which is the church in Ephesus. And by the way, this is the same church that Paul wrote to in the book of Ephesians. We actually did a a series this past summer over the book of Ephesians. We actually have a, um, a, a study of Ephesians on YouVersion Bible app. You can actually go, you can find a devotional that our team wrote. And so it's that same exact church. So Jesus, he speaks to this church. And when I read it, I felt like God spoke to me that this is a message for our church right now. I call it a right now word. Like it's a prophetic right here, right now in this season, God wants us to hear this message that yes, it was written specifically to this church in Ephesus, but that this church applied, that the message from this letter actually applies to us today in 2024 in Cincinnati, Queen City Church. And I I just, and by the way, that's how I approach these messages. It's very different from Sundays. Sundays, we typically plan everything out way far in advance. And I kind of know where we're going, trying to take you on a journey through four or five, six weeks in these series. But for something like this every year, I just say, God, what do you want to say to our church? Like right now, 
And that's part of my responsibility as the pastor of this church is to be able to communicate those things. I say, God, what, what do you wanna to say to our church? What's a right now word? What's a prophetic right now? You wanna say it through me to them. And he led me to these five verses in Revelation chapter two. Starting in verse one, here's what the Bible says. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him, this is talking about Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toils, uh, other translations, maybe yours that you're reading right now. It says, I know your hard work and your patient endurance, your perseverance, and you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know, I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Uh, the, the, the translation that I read most of the time personally is the NLT, because I can understand it. And it says this, it's that last line, here's what it says in the NLT, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. I love that. But then in verse four, Jesus changes the subject and he says, but, just because I think it's fun, everybody say, but. Okay. Why are you laughing so hard, Brad? But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Tonight, if you're taking notes, I wanna share a message that I've just simply entitled, Return to Your First Love. That's my assignment, that's my challenge to you tonight. No matter how you got here today, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, my assignment tonight is to challenge you to return to your first love. And this message, by the way, is for those who feel like your passion for God has gone down. For those who feel like your excitement for God has decreased. For those of you who feel like your motivation for the things of God isn't what it used to be. For those who feel like living for God just feels so uphill. For those who feel like your heart has somehow over the years, over time, that it's gotten more and more hard towards life, towards people, towards God, towards church. For those of you who maybe right now are just spiritually going through the motions, for those of you who sometimes it's just easy and easier for you to play church, for those of you who were at one time, and you can remember it like it was yesterday, at one time you were on fire for God. You were so in love with God but those days feel like they're so long gone. This message is for those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but right now you have no appetite. 
that's you in any degree, if that's you for just 1% of you, if that's like 1% of you is that, or maybe 100% of you is that, or somewhere in between. Tonight, my assignment is to challenge you to return to your first love. And I do wanna warn you that this message may be a little bit more challenging than normal. Typically try to keep it as life-giving as possible. But this is gonna be challenging. There's a very good chance I may get all up in your business. I may step on your toes. So before I say anything, I do wanna ask permission to go the distance tonight, to hold nothing back and to say everything that God told me to say the way he told me to say it. So is it okay if I do that tonight? Is that okay? Let's pray, let's invite God. God, I just ask that you would speak to us today. Would you open up our hearts to what you want to say to your church? God, I, I rebuke any lie of the enemy that may come over the next few minutes. I rebuke every distraction that may come. And God, I just pray that you would help remove any barrier from us hearing your voice so that tonight all of us can return to our first love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now in this message to the church in Ephesus, if we just break it down and just kind of go line by line, verse by verse, you'll see that in this message, Jesus actually starts with celebration. He starts by highlighting all the things that they're doing well. So when you read through it, you'll see that he celebrates their hard work. He celebrates like all these things that they're doing for God, like how they serve and how they give and how they sacrifice and, and how they live for God in their city. And by the way, some of you are newer to our church. Maybe, maybe you've only started coming even this week, or maybe you've just been around for a few few months or maybe six months or even a year. Some of you maybe are new to our church, but you need to know that from day one, over five years ago, that we've been in the middle of a miracle. Like from day one, is that we have seen God, one of my favorite ways to describe what God has done in our church in the first five plus years is Ephesians 3.20 that says God will do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. And let me just be straight up with you. I have asked and I've imagined really big things and not just me, so many other people have asked and imagined, God, would you do big things through our church? And over and over and over and over again, he has done immeasurably more. And you need to know, especially if you're new or around here that that as our church has that our church has grown and that our church has advanced and that we've been able to take ground in the kingdom of God for two reasons number 1 because of the grace goodness faithfulness and provision of God you need to know that we give him all the credit, all the glory, that we recognize his fingerprints that are all over everything that we're doing. And, and there's a reason why that's number one. But you also need to know that we've experienced that because of many men and women who have worked so hard who have served, who have given, who have sacrificed, who believed in a mission before it ever existed. 
that has said yes to being a part of what God is doing. And I just want to just look every single person that fits into that category in the eye and just say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It still blows me away to this day that when God put something in my heart to start something that anybody would say yes to it. I am still humble. And the reason why is because I know who I am. I, I know how good I am. And it's not good enough. And I, I'm just amazed at what God has done. And so, like, there's, there's some people that maybe you just jumped on the team. And I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your yes. Thank you for jumping on the team. And then there's some people that are in this room that were a part of our original launch team. And I just want to say you are my heroes. I love you. I love serving with you right now more than on day one. And I'm so thankful for all the hours and the creativity and the energy and the effort that you have poured out so that our church could be our church. So I just look at you and just say thank you. Thank you. Just like Jesus celebrated their hard work, I celebrate your hard work. And thank you, thank you, thank you. So Jesus, he starts by celebrating. He says, I love your hard work. And then he celebrates their doctrine. Like they know their Bible. They have good theology. They're guarding against the right things. And he says, man, I celebrate your doctrine. He celebrates their commitment to always do what is right, even when it is hard. He celebrates their patient endurance. He celebrates their perseverance. He celebrates the fact that they refuse to give up, that they refuse to quit. Here's what you got to understand. This is an awesome church. Like this church is doing amazing things in the old city of Ephesus. Like they're doing incredible things. This church is growing. This church is thriving. This, the, the, the kingdom is advancing. This is an awesome church, but it is not a perfect church. Because if you keep reading, that celebration actually turns into correction. Because he says, you are doing all this great stuff. And I celebrate all that God is doing in and through this church. But there's one thing. And he says it strong. He says, there's one thing I hold against you. There's one thing you're missing. There's one thing that I want you to change. And here it is. I'll read it again in verse 4. He says, you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You have abandoned it. This first love. The amplified version puts it this way. That you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. It's like he says, you're doing all these things for me, but you've lost your love of me. Like you're busy with all this activity for Jesus, that you've lost your intimacy with Jesus. Like you're doing all the right things. You're going to church. You're serving on the dream team. You're giving, you're tithing. You are joining a life group in February, right? You're reading the Bible. You completed last year's one-year Bible plan. You, like, not only that, you know the Bible. You can recite the 66 books of the Bible. You have the correct theology. It's, I mean, you've got it buttoned up. You know how to do it. You're showing up on Tuesday night to first conference. Not Monday night, not Sunday night, Tuesday night. You're participating in 21 days of prayer and fasting. But you've fallen out of love with me. There's part of you that if it's fallen out of love with Jesus. You've lost 
your first love. You've lost the love that you had at first. You've lost the love that you had at the beginning. This one thing I wrote down is that you've lost your day one love. That love that you had on day one. Now, if you've ever fallen in love, you know this first love feeling. Like this novelty and excitement of a new relationship. It almost feels euphoric. Um, in fact, I don't know if you know this. I actually studied this. Uh, like scientists have discovered that when you get in a new relationship, uh, that, that your brain, it releases so much dopamine at the very beginning of that relationship. That's the equivalent. I'm not joking. Look it up. It's the equivalent of being on drugs. <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all like, that's why they're so annoying, that new couple, you know, because <laughs> they're high, they're drunk, whatever you want to say, they're on drugs. They're on drugs. Don't point at nobody, okay? Um, is, that happens, by the way, they also say that it, that, that it actually stops about six to nine months after this relationship. And everybody that's here that's been in a long-term relationship, that's when you fight. That's when all of a sudden, all, man, they are so annoying. It's, all, that was already there. You just couldn't see it because you were on drugs, okay? <laughs> that happens. It's like euphoric. Cause, yeah, I remember way back in the, back in the Stone Ages uh, when we rode on horses uh, when I fell in love with Heather. And uh, I remember way back in the day when, when we fell in love, we'd spend as much time together as possible. Like we'd go on dates all the time. We were broke college students, but we would go on dates all the time. I would figure out a way how to get enough loose change to go to Taco Bell to get one of them cheap tacos. Whatever we could do, we would make sure that we spent time. We get creative. We talk on the phone for hours at a time. We'd get in, them, get in those moments where it's like, you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. Okay. Okay, let's do this. Let's hang up at the same exact time. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. You didn't hang up, did you? <laughs> Just talk for hours. Sometimes we'd fall asleep on the phone. Come on, shout out free nights and weekends. Where are my old people at? Yeah. Be like, I can't call you till eight, girl. I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm out of minutes. And for a little while, we even dated long distance, and we weren't in the same city, and, and we would just drive hours, hours, just to see each other, just to get in, a hug, a kiss, maybe make out, um, <laughs> grab dinner, and then, honestly, we'd just drive right back. I mean, we would spend more time in the car than we did with each other, and our, our first Christmas, um, I wanted to creatively show her because I already knew. We were friends for a long time before we dated. So when we started dating, it was on. It's like, yeah, this is a girl I want to marry. I want to show her that I love her so much. So this is what I did. I bought her a CD case. <laughs> so, so some of y'all don't even know what a CD case is, okay? So it's, just get there and get all the... And, um, but, but I put all these things in it. So yes, I put some CDs that were maybe special CDs to us and songs and things. Um, and the, the last one had some silver hoop earrings that I wanted to make sure my girl had. And, and then I had, uh, again, broke college student. 
Um, I probably got those hoop earrings from Claire's. Um, <laughs> those are good. Five bucks. Let's roll. <laughs> and then, um, and so, but then, then I put all these um, like IOU coupons, love coupons in there. So it'd be like a coupon. It'd be like one chick flick and movie of your choice and, and date of your choice or um, redeemable for uh, get your car cleaned out by me. Uh, redeemable for a foot massage, just whenever you want it. Expires never. Okay, so like we, we did that. And then I also, this is kind of like the icing on the cake, is I, I, I bought her a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Bought her a Bible, but not only that, because our relationship built on Jesus, um, that I engraved on the front but only with her first name. <laughs> and I told her when she opened up, it's because we need to leave some space for that new last name that she was going to be getting later. Guys, some of you need to be taking notes right now, okay? Because you got no game, okay? You got none, none, no game. You need to take some notes, learn from your pastor, okay? <laughs> Listen. That's amen in dude, okay? <laughs> listen, listen. Here's the truth, though. Just because I married Heather doesn't mean I should stop dating Heather. <laughs> but how many of you know that it is so easy, it is so easy to lose that first love, the love that you had at first, it's so easy to leave that with, to lose that with, with people, with friendships, with even boyfriend, girlfriend. It's it's hard to it's easy to lose that in marriage. It's it's easy to lose that with the church. It's even easy to lose that with Jesus. So let me ask you: Can you go back to the very beginning, to where it all started? Can you go back to the moment, to the day? when you fell in love with Jesus, when you first said yes to him, when you first got saved, when you decided to go all in and live for God, you've heard me say it. For me, it was June 25th, 1999. It wasn't in a service. It was on a back porch. And honestly, I always say that I was on my knees before God in the truth of the gospel that I'd heard my whole life growing up in church. It went from my head to my heart and I understood it for the first time more than a head level, but in a heart level. But when that happened, I wasn't just, I, I literally, I was, I was on my face before God. And I never want to forget that day because on that day, my life was forever changed. On that day, I gave my life fully over to Jesus. I stopped playing church. On that day, my soul was saved. On that day, everything changed. And so do you remember your day? Do you remember that time? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember what you felt? Do you remember how excited that you were for God? Do you remember when you were still passionate? Do you remember when you couldn't believe that of all the people in the world that he chose you? When, do you remember when he was your top priority? 
when he truly was first over everything else in your life? Do you remember when you couldn't wait to get in his presence? When you couldn't just, when you couldn't wait for the next time that you could just spend time with him? Do you remember when you were expectant? to hear his voice every single time that you opened up the Bible, even though it was scary, even though you didn't understand a lot of times maybe what you were reading, but you were so expectant that the God of the universe who spoke and the world created, that he spoke this book into your life and that this was his words. And that every time, do you remember, do you remember when you didn't care what other people thought you remember when you would worship at the top of your lungs, when you would throw your hands up in the air in both gratitude and complete surrender, when you told as many people as possible about Jesus, when you, when you were just looking for opportunities to share about your Jesus, when you invited people to church. Do you remember when everybody knew that you were a follower of Jesus? that nobody guessed, Nobody's, nobody was like waiting to see if you had a what would Jesus do bracelet or the Christian t-shirt. Like everybody knew because of how you acted and because of how you spoke and because of how you stood out and how you were being the light that God called you to be when you unapologetically posted on social media about Jesus. You used your platform to be able to show people truth. Do you remember when serving was a blessing and not a burden? When you gave or when you tithed because you wanted to, not because you had to or felt like there was some religious whatever on it. Do you remember when you actually believed the entire Bible? When you believed that God could still heal, that God could still do miracles, that we serve a God who answers prayer, that do you remember when you had faith that nothing was impossible for God? See, before I, I started this church, I was, I was in student ministry. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And the last place that I was a youth pastor before we started the church, uh, we would put on a very big student conference. And after conference ended one year, so it would be like tonight. So it would be like service is over, everybody get out. And I'm walking around, everybody's cleaning, making sure that everything's put up. And... I saw a group of students that were circled up and I was like, what are they doing? So I went over and looked and these students, these high school students were surrounding a paralyzed person that was in a wheelchair and they were praying. And they were praying that God would heal this individual. And I remember seeing that and I almost stopped them. But as I was walking to go stop them, the Holy Spirit stopped me and then he corrected me. And he said, who are you to limit what I could do? Who are you to tell them that that can't happen? When did you become the professional Christian? And he said, they don't need to learn from you, you need to learn from them. I want you to have faith like them. You remember when you had faith like that? Do you remember when you believed in the church? Not our church, the church. Do you remember when you loved the church? Do you remember what it was like before you got jaded and cynical 
or critical? Do you remember what it was like before you made fun of everything? Do you remember what it was like before you got hurt? Before that person did that to you or said that to you? Before those leaders or before those pastors had moral failures and let you down? Do you remember what it was like before you watched the documentaries or before you listened to the podcast? Tonight, I feel like my assignment is to ask you this simple question. Have you lost your first love? Have you lost that? Have you lost your first love? And if the answer is yes, one, I want you to hear this loud and clear. You are not alone. You're not. In fact, I can prove it. How many of you at some point, maybe not right now, but at some point in your journey of following Jesus, you have lost your first love? I want you to see you are not alone. I think every single Christian at some point has to wrestle with this. And there's times that multiple times in our life that we have to wrestle with, have I lost my first love? And I want you to know, number one, if that's you, that you are not alone. But number two, I want you to know that God wanted me to tell you tonight that you can get it back. That I want you to know that there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. My goal in communicating this, and I think the goal of God putting this on my heart, wasn't to condemn you or make you feel guilt or shame. It was to bring conviction to your life so that we can move forward, so that we don't have to stay there. Like, you can get it back. You can return to your first love. And I love that Jesus tells us how. I love that he just doesn't point out our problems but he actually tells us how to move forward. And so if you just keep reading those verses, he starts with this celebration, then he moves to this correction, and then third, he goes into counsel. And so he says, if you've lost your first love, hey, this is what I want you to do. And then he says this in Revelation chapter two, verse five. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did. At first, it's very simple. He says, if, if that's you, you, you just gotta do three things. You gotta, number one, you gotta remember. You gotta remember what God has done in your life. And I, I, let me just tell you, I think this is one of the themes of the Bible, is remember. If you read all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, you will see over and over and over again, in some way, shape, or form, the Bible constantly telling us to remember. And you know why? Because we are prone to forget. And over and over again, it's saying, remember. And here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, he says, remember, remember what God's done in your life. Like, look back and recognize God's fingerprints all over your life. Like, remember how he saved you. Remember how he loved you. Remember how he forgave you. Remember how he found you. You didn't find him. He, he found you. Remember how he changed you. Remember how he answered your prayer. Remember how he brought you through that hard situation. Remember how he provided for you in that rough season. Remember how he lifted anxiety, depression, and insecurity, and fear off of your life and brought peace and contentment that lasts to your soul. Remember how he delivered you from addiction. Remember how he healed you and how he healed and restored your marriage. Remember how far you've come. Yes, you you're not where you want to be, but come on, is anybody thankful that you're not where you used to be? 
I know I am. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And just remember what all he's done in your life and where he's taken you and how you've grown since you said yes to him. Remember that you were lost, but now you're found. Remember that you were blind, but now you see. Remember that you were dead, and now you're alive. Remember, remember, remember. Anytime you start to grow cold, remember. Anytime your passion gets low, anytime your motivation decreases, anytime your heart starts to get hard, anytime that you start to drift from your first love, he says, remember. Remember. But then he says, number two, repent. Don't just remember, but repent. And this is a churchy word that often has a lot of bad PR around it. A lot of times this word is associated with anger and with accusations and with judgment, almost like somebody is pointing their long finger at you and saying how the ways that you are awful and that you're a big, bad sinner. Like, and that's the PR around this word, repent. And for many people, here's what I've learned, is that this word is a triggering word that actually brings up a lot of painful memories that you've had connected to God and connected to the church and connected to pastors and connected to group leaders. And that a lot of times you've, there's been so much baggage attached to this word, but I want you to know that this is a beautiful word that literally means to change your mind at such a deep level that when you change your mind, it actually leads to a change in your direction. It leads to a change in your behavior. So repentance is so much more than just saying, I'm sorry. It is saying, here's the, here's the picture of repentance. It's I'm going this way. I'm making these choices. I'm losing my first love. I recognize it. I see where I'm going. And I stop. And I say, God... I am so sorry that I'm going the way that you don't want me to go. You have a better way for me. And so not only do I just turn around and start mindlessly going the other way, I say, God, will you change my mind about going this way? Because somehow I've bought into a lie that going this way is better than going your way. And what he says is that like, no, I, I first have to change my mind because if I just change my outside, that's not real lasting change. It's only temporary change. Some of you have tried that. I'm just going to stop the thing. I'm just going to do the thing. But you've never repented. You've never changed your mind. You still have a spot where it's like, that's better than God's plan. But it's saying, God, I changed my mind. I line up to the truth of your word. I say, God, that your way is better than my way in this specific area. And so because of that conviction, because I've changed my mind, now I'm turning. Now I'm going this way. And Jesus says, not only should you remember, but you should repent. You should do that. I love this quote from Bruce Wilkerson. He says, repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. And I believe God said, as I was preparing today, and I was praying through this message, that tonight is a night of repentance for our church. And Jesus says, if you've lost your first love, repent. Then third, here's what he says. He says, redo. He says, redo. Now, he actually says it a different way, but it didn't start with R. So I had to kind of get that in. So preachers do stuff like that. Um, 
Let me say it this way. Just simply do the things that you did at first. Like, like you, you got to change what you actually do. But I love that order because repentance comes first. And then that should lead to, well, now I'm going to do the things. That, and he says, return and go do the things that you did at first. In other words, go do the things that you that you did when you first gave your life to Jesus. When you first fell in love with Jesus, what were the things that you were doing? And go back and redo all those things when you were all in with God. When you were the closest that you've ever been to God, go back and redo that. Go back and do the things that whenever you found the church that you first time that I, I fell in love with, with that and I started growing and I started, started like knowing that I'm making a difference and being a part of something bigger than myself. And I remember how much life I felt. Go back and do the things that you felt whenever that happened. Go back when church was a priority, when you were there every single time the doors were open, when it didn't matter what the weather was, when it didn't matter how you felt, when it didn't matter how much sleep you got the night before, when it didn't matter that online was an option. When, it, when you knew that you needed every single week to get in the house of God, to experience the presence and the power of God with the people of God. Like when you knew that, go back to when you prioritize spending one-on-one time with God, more than just the big and the, the big and the corporate and everybody all together, but when you prioritize, because that's just once a week for most of us. But go back to when you prioritize spending time one-on-one with God, when, when you took a little bit of time every single day to spend time with God, to read his word, to pray, to be still, to calm your soul, to talk to him and to let him talk to you. Go back to when you prioritize serving, when you couldn't imagine your life not serving, that no matter how busy you were, no matter the season of life, Why? Because serving was your calling. It wasn't what you did, it was who you were. Now it's what you did, it's not who you are. Go back to when you prioritized community, when you weren't living in isolation, when you refused to live life alone, when people knew what was really happening behind the scenes and behind your smile in the lobby, and I'm, I'm fine, I'm good. Go back to when you were honest and open and transparent and vulnerable. When you spent time with people and not just spent all your time scrolling social media. Go back to when you prioritized your morality, when you guarded what you watched, what you listened to, what you put in your body, how you spoke, who you hung out with. When you wanted to honor God and be holy and and pure in every single area of your life. And when you refused to compromise your convictions. Go back to when you shared your faith. When you couldn't help but tell people about what God had done in your life. When you wanted the whole world to know about Jesus and experience his love and experience his grace and experience his forgiveness. When you invited people to experience God and to come to your church, like redo what you did at first. Jesus says, if you want to return to your first love, remember, repent, redo. I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible tonight. But I want you to understand that this is so important and that the implications of us saying yes to this or no to this have so much more ripple effects and consequences than just what we experience personally. We live in an individualistic world 
that thinks about, this only affects me if I choose to do that. Why are you all up in my business? Why are you challenging me like that? One, that's what God called me to do. So get over it. <laughs> Two, I love you. Two, because it just doesn't affect you. This is why it's so important that we understand this. This is why I'm not having a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with you. This is why I'm bringing this to our entire church, because I want you to understand that the ripple effects and the consequences of us losing our first love just doesn't affect us individually, it affects us corporately. Because listen to what Jesus says next. This is so sobering. He says, if not, if you don't do those things, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's a very revelation thing. So what in the world does that mean? Remove your lampstand? Well, all throughout Revelation, the lampstand, listen, it represents the church. And Jesus says that if you do not return to your first love, if you don't remember, if you don't repent, if you don't redo those things that you did at first, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Let me say it this way. I'll put out your light. You'll have services, but they won't do anything. They won't be attractive. I don't care how good the preaching is. And it's awesome. Kidding. I don't care how great, talented these musicians are and these vocalists are. No matter how awesome of kids and students programming that we do, I'll put that light out. In other words, I'm gonna remove the influence of your church. One of my favorite pastors, I think he's gonna be a theologian in 50 years. He's got him Tony Evans out of Dallas. And this is what he wrote in his commentary. He says, when a church loses its first love, Jesus will remove his presence from it. And it will lose its right to function with kingdom authority. In other words, your church will no longer be effective. And please hear me. Let me make this very clear. There is nothing inside of me that wants to do that. There is nothing inside of me that when I said yes to starting a church in a city that I knew nobody, there's nothing inside of me that wanted to sign up for that. Like, I want to be a part of a move of God. I want to be a part of a move of God right now, more than I ever have been in this whole crazy journey. I wanna be a part of something significant. I wanna be a part of something that is written about in the history books, not for our glory, not for our fame, but to see God do something in our city that's never been done. I wanna see revival in our city like never before, not just in our church, but every single church in our city that lifts up the name of Jesus, that proclaims the gospel. I wanna see revival happen in there like never before. I want to know that our city, that our country, and that our world is different because Queen City Church exists. You need to understand that I have no desire just to be a big church. I don't want to be a big church, but I unapologetically want to make a big difference. And we cannot do that if our light is out. 
This will never be a reality until we take the responsibility of saying, I will return to my first love. I will do my part. It's not just I'm asking you to serve. I'm not just asking you to give. I'm not asking you to check off all these religious boxes. That's not what this message is. This message is, do you love Jesus? Go back to when it made sense. Go back to when he saved you. Go back and then don't lose it. Remember every day. Repent from the things you need to repent from. And then just keep doing the things. And yeah, maybe out of that will come going to church all the time and being in a group and serving and giving. Not because a pastor gets up and says, you should do all that stuff. No, it's because you want to. It's because that's, that's what we do. When you're in love, that's what you do. And so I want you to understand that it's so much bigger than just, if you make this decision tonight, good. Your life will be better. No, our church will be better. Our city will be better. Our country will be better. Our world will be better. Watch what God does when there's a room full of people that says, yep, I say yes to that. I will return. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to return. So tonight, I believe with all my heart, Jesus is saying, return to your first love. Return to me. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.